Tinakwea, no my Heidi, my welcome to Animal Matters. Uh, we've been doing this podcast now for just over two years, and it's been absolutely fantastic. We've been able to talk about a range of issues in really great detail, which was always the goal with this podcast, was to talk about the issues impacting animals, um, because they can be quite complicated, which is hard to convey in the modern environment where social media, you blink and you miss it, uh, the 24-hour news cycle things move so quickly it's really difficult to talk about these issues in great detail but now we've been going for just over two years uh want better time to mix things up a bit so we're changing a few things to animal matters and i'm really pleased really thrilled to be able to announce that we now have a co-host so you won't just be listening to me every fortnight by myself it's my privilege to introduce courtney white to the show kia ora courtney Kia ora, Will. It's so nice to be here. I'm so excited to be part of Animal Matters. Yeah, so please tell us a bit about yourself. You've been with SAFE. How long have you been with SAFE now? It's only been two months. It's come up on two months, I think, last week. Feels like a lot longer. It feels like family already. I'm loving it. I mean, you you fit in right away. And uh, for those who are listening, Courtney and I, we work in the same team. We actually work quite closely together. What is your role at SAFE now? So my role is comms advisor. So looking after anything that goes out, I suppose, over social media, over our EDMs, trying to to get a bit more involved in the media side of things as well. (laughs) So basically just overseeing the comms here and a bit of marketing as well. But that's that's my background. So I come from a comms and marketing background, had a bit of a dalliance into print and radio journalism here in, in Australia as well. So yeah, it's it's right in my wheelhouse and absolutely, absolutely loving it. Yeah, it's great to have someone else who's has a bit of a background in podcasting and radio because my background long time ago was in radio as well. So we have a similar background in terms of radio, which is great that we now get to do the podcast together. Um, and it's not just me. For, for those who don't know, my... I've been at SAFE for, in September, it'll be four years. For most of that time, I've been the media manager. But now with Courtney, some of that will be handed over to her. And I get to focus on rapid response and investigations where when any issue comes up involving animals, whether they're being treated cruelly or whether there is examples of behavior out in the community that um, needs to be called out, needs to be addressed, I'm the guy at SAFE that can really respond to that. But no doubt Courtney and I will be will be working very close going forward, um, obviously, because now we're doing, doing the podcast together. I know, it's so exciting. And it's really exciting as well with the rapid response coming into force a bit stronger now. It's such an important area that, you know, I'm really interested to see how we go and and watch as, as these things roll out. But, I mean, today already there's been a flurry of activity over here at SAFE. I think we were responding to a story that's broken around live export, one of the big things that we've been focusing on. What's happened? Catch me up. Yeah, so on Wednesday this week, a story came out on One News Online um, about a a failed live export, which has, has left a lot of farmers out of pocket, which is what they're mostly grumpy about. But it's also resulted in a lot of animal welfare issues as well. So earlier this year, there was a planned export of 12,300 cows that were meant to be going to China 
but the ship that was planned to to collect them from New Zealand and take them to China, whilst it was on its way to Aotearoa, it's, it broke down. So they couldn't use that ship, which left these animals kind of stranded in New Zealand, um, and they had to scramble to find another ship. The result of that is a lot of the pregnant cows lost a lot of weight, and those that were pregnant had to be they had to be aborted. There's a bit of a fight going on over it. Uh, so the company that had organised the the export of these cows, uh, which is Genetic Development Exports Limited Partnership, they are left owing a lot of farmers. There was about 360 farmers that were involved in this consignment of, of cattle. And this this company, this live export company, now, is, now owes over a million dollars. And the combined and direct costs and losses are over, over $5 million. Why is this important? Uh, well, the, the guy who's the head of this company is David Heyman, who has been very prominent in the media over the last year or so talking about why we should continue sending animals overseas in the live export trade. He's been front and centre in the media defending the live export trade. He made a submission at the select committee where they were considering the bill that will ban live export. And now he's he's got himself in a bit, into a bit of mess over this, this consignment of cattle, 12,300 cattle that were planned to go to China that didn't because the ship broke down. Now, this is a great example of why live export is so risky. For long-time listeners of the show, you'll be aware that back in 2020, uh, a ship broke down, its engine broke down on the way to China, and nearly 6,000 cattle that had left New Zealand only a few weeks prior, as well as uh, just over 40 crew, went down with the ship as well. Were you in New Zealand at the time when that happened, Courtney? When you Were you aware when that crisis really unfolded? I wasn't. I was still overseas at that time. I was in Melbourne. So I think, you know, a lot of this stuff is quite new to me. And it's been so shocking to learn about all of these things that have happened in the past, even a couple of years. And it's really, really unfortunate and sad and, and distressing. I mean, I've had a hard time understanding why, because obviously we've had that announcement of a ban that came out last year. I think Damien O'Connor was talking about New Zealand banning live export, but with a two-year wind-down period, which is, I mean, we're only halfway through that. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's every single time that we hear about something like this happening, you know, I just feel like as if cramming live animals into a, a ship that they stay in for potentially months at a time. We're sending them to countries that have, at best, lackluster animal welfare laws. You know, we're seeing ships sinking. We're seeing research from The Guardian showing that live export ships are twice as likely as um, cargo vessels, I think, to be lost at sea. There's outbreaks of disease. So all of these things just keep happening. It's snowballing. It's a mess. It is a total mess. It is. And... I was at Safe when when that ship sunk in 2020, and it was it was an absolute catastrophe. And all I can think of with this scenario that we've just learned about this week, the the ship was destined for China in, in April. So this is all kind of unfolded over the last few months. Had that the engine of that ship broke down? After it had collected the cattle, it could have been a similar scenario, perhaps worse. 12,000 cattle potentially stranded at sea on a ship with a broken engine. Um, who knows what could have happened? And I think this is a, just another example um, 
and the, as you as you've correctly pointed out, they just keep building one on on top of the other. That just goes to show how much of a risky trade live export is, and we should just have nothing to do with it. It's interesting timing as well because the bill that will ban live export, it's called the Animal Welfare Amendments Bill. It's moving through Parliament. It's been through the Select Committee phase. It's passed its second reading, so Parliament it's have voted on it a second time, and now it's at the Committee of the Whole House. Where where MPs get to stand up and have their say. Um, and it's interesting to see the opposition, they're still fighting. They're, they still want to keep this 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 trade up and running. I know, I know. And yesterday, obviously, we were watching as uh, Eugenie Sage was, was speaking, Green MP Eugenie Sage was speaking about that live export um, amendment to the, to the Animal Welfare Amendment Bill. And she mentioned a supplementary order paper that's in her name and this was news to me. I, I hadn't even considered this before, but she's asking to expand the bill to include the ban of live export of eels, which I'd never even thought about. I think a lot of people might be unaware that eels are even transported from New Zealand. So she was just talking about the fact that eels are under threat and on a pathway to extinction, which is, of course, an animal welfare issue, and was asking about the consideration that the minister gave, given that the bulk of the export of eels are live. Again, I had no idea. And that New Zealand has no ability to control how the eels are treated or killed. And it's just really interesting to consider just the breadth of species of animals that we are exporting. I think it just goes under the radar for a lot of people. Oh, it's huge. You're absolutely right. The um, Most of the animals that we export overseas are not cows on ships. We export millions of animals by air freight every year. The most common one is day-old chicks. They're sent, uh, a, lot of, a lot of them are sent to, uh, to China, but to other countries as well. And that is an issue that's completely flown under the radar. Most of the public are very aware about live export ships and, um, and some of these crises that have happened, you know, has put that issue front and centre for a lot of people. But this issue of um, animals like eels, like day-old chicks, that are sent overseas on air, on, on air freight in the millions every year, it just doesn't have the same public awareness and it has managed to fly under the radar, which is unfortunate because it means that whilst we will be banning live export by April next year, live export will still continue just in, in a different way by air freight. It's unlikely they'll be sending cows on, on planes, but day-old chicks and millions of them go overseas every year. Yeah, that's, I've found that really interesting since coming back to New Zealand and this, this issue has been coming up, obviously, repeatedly. What is the rationale there for banning live export by ship but not by air? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I recall last year... Shortly after the Agriculture Minister, Damien O'Connor, announced a ban on live export, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was interviewed on The Breakfast Show, TVNZ Breakfast, I believe. And that question was put to her. And if I recall correctly, her reasoning was that it just doesn't have the same risks involved. Um, live export by air isn't as, as risky as by sea. Um, so they didn't consider it an issue, which is disappointing because whilst it may not be as risky uh, in terms of a, a ship sinking or capsizing is much more likely than a plane crashing. Or, but the, there's still the same inherent risk of the treatment of those animals overseas. Once they leave our country, once they leave our shores, we have next to no control over how they're treated. And 
they're all being sent to countries with lower standards of animal welfare and they almost always end up in situations far worse than what they would have in New Zealand. That's always been SAFE's position. But yeah, that, that statement from the Prime Minister said to me that they didn't even consider that an issue. Their main concern was the the risk of the journey and they just see its air freight as a lot less risky or not as risky than, than by sea. Yeah, and I think that's that's just another example of sort of the the intermingling of animal rights and animal welfare again. For me, I think it really speaks to that point that, you know, animal rights is such an important concept that I think we need to talk about more as opposed to necessarily just the welfare angle because, you know, of course it could potentially be that, yes, ships are more risky, but you're right, (laughs) they're both ending up in the same location. So, yeah, I think it's a, a big thing to start talking about more. Speaking of animal rights and animal welfare, that was mentioned in the recent High Court decision, Courtney. Uh, Do you want to explain to us what happened there? It was. It was. So I suppose probably a few of you will be aware, but for those of you who aren't, on the 11th of July this year, so not long ago at all, uh, we teamed up with the, the guys over at NZALA and challenged the government and the New Zealand Rodeo Cowboys Association in the High Court. So we were hoping to discuss the legal case that rodeo violates the Animal Welfare Act of 1999 and because of that is unlawful. So the decision came back on Friday last week and basically said that the place for this challenge would be in NAWAC's consultation process regarding a code of welfare. So it's been really interesting to to have a look at some of the comments in media saying things like, this is a big win for rodeo, the judge came out in support of rodeo, but that's not exactly what happened, is it? It's not at all. No. Um, there was an interview that Lyle Cox did, the president of the Rodeo Cowboys Association, and he considered it um, a win. But the judge made it clear um, in his decision that he wasn't making any decision on the legality of rodeo or whether or not rodeo is unlawful. That was pretty, pretty clear from reading the judgment. He did point out procedural errors in the process when the government reissued the code but that was about it Um, and ultimately he dismissed the case which is disappointing for those of us you know who would like to see an end to rodeo for those of us especially to the legal team from the New Zealand Animal Law Association Um, but ultimately the decision uh, well the judge made no decision on the lawfulness of, of rodeo so a little bit naive perhaps of the Cowboys to be celebrating it as a win because it's not great news for them either. No and it's it's really interesting because this case is a, a complicated one and I think the decision is a complicated one for a lot of people to understand. I know it's taken me a little while to get my head around it as well. It's not cut and dry like the last time that we we went to court with the pigs and the farring crates and it was easy to understand the decision but this one's got a bit more nuance to it so the judge I'm going to explain this as well as I can Will and please jump in at any point because I know that you've been on top of this one for a long time but Justice Churchman who was the judge in the case found errors and procedural defects in the government's process when they reissued the rodeo code of welfare and that was in 2018. But the court didn't make a decision on the lawfulness of rodeo as a whole. So the decision that came down doesn't mean that rodeo events are either legal or not legal. 
It just means that the court has essentially passed the ball over to NAWAC or the National Animal Welfare Advisory Committee. Is that that's a good wrap up? I think that's a perfect wrap up. Yeah, that's 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 uh, to the best of my understanding what's happened as well. So it's if there's anyone who's quote unquote come out of this looking better, it's potentially NAWAC because the judges said it's their consultation process where this discussion ought to be, ought to take place. I mean, we know that NAWAC's process isn't always perfect and there have been, there's many examples where, in our opinion, the, the codes of welfare that NAWAC develop don't line up with the provisions of the Animal Welfare Act. Um, we, would, we would argue that rodeo is, the, is that case. But either way, the judge has put the ball back in their court. So really it's down to us to, to, to engage with that process again whenever it starts. There has been talk of a draft code of welfare for rodeo for some time. Um, in fact, the NAWAC, the National Animal Welfare Advisory Committee, actually asked the court to halt to pause proceedings to allow them to to um, continue with the review of the Code of Welfare. NAWAC take an incredibly long time to do anything. So obviously one would hope that that process will be starting back up again and it happens quickly because animals and rodeo have been waiting long enough. So when that code is, is out for consultation, we'll be making um, some pretty strong demands as part of that consultation now that the court has put the ball back to them. A hundred percent. And it's it's interesting as well to talk about that code because obviously that was a few years ago now, 2018, that NAWAC recommended that suite of, I think they termed it non-regulatory recommendations <laughs> with aims to improve animal welfare. But obviously there were some issues with that, which the judge did bring up. And I think we can speak to that for a second, but also just almost directly after that code was outlined, I believe there was about four deaths in, in that year. There, three of them happened almost directly after the association's new suggested practices. So I think, you know, I mean, how, how do we wrap that up in a bow? What does that really show about the code itself? Yeah, well, this has been, this is the inherent problem with the, the, the Rodeo Code of Welfare is um, in the Animal Welfare Act, it says that animals must be handled in a way that minimises pain and distress. Yet there is a code for rodeo that essentially allows for animals to be handled in a way where they could be injured and they could be killed. So um, it's, and there are many examples where, like this, where certain codes of welfare don't line up to the provisions of the Animal Welfare Act. And I would argue that rodeo is, is absolutely one of those examples. I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to see how rodeo can reform to um, ensure that animals aren't treated in such a way where they do suffer from pain, distress and potentially death. What will be interesting to see is what NAWAC come out with, you know, what changes they will make to... Um, uh, to improve animal welfare and rodeo, because um, I doubt that they they'll, they're going to come out and say well, we're banning rodeo. That's probably going to have to be a decision for for a future government. But it'll be interesting to see what they come back with in the code of welfare, because it's hard to see what they could do to improve an activity that is just inherently risky mm. and inherently cruel. So, so essentially, for us, what's happened here is. Not a lot. 
nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed about our position and nothing's changed about the law. So we still maintain that Rodeo violates the Animal Welfare Act. And like you've said, we're going to make that clear to NAWAC during their consultation process. And we absolutely stick to our, our original position. And, and this, this case has not really done anything to change I mean, anything in the legal sense, other than it's been good to have it brought out in front of the public and, and have that chance to really get this discussion moving. Oh, one thing, to, one thing to say, though, the issue that you brought up right at the start of this conversation that we were having about rodeo was a very, very interesting point because not a lot of people will have read the ins and the outs of the decision. But one thing that we all noticed that was very interesting was the distinction that the judge made between animal rights and animal welfare. Do you remember what the wording was on that? Yes, I do recall what the judge said about that. So, in the judgment, the Justice Churchman said that the Act, which is the Animal Welfare Act, the Act adopts an animal welfare approach rather than an animal rights approach. An animal welfare approach permits the use of animals for food, clothing, entertainment or experimentation provided it occurs humanely. An animal rights approach would limit or ban such activities. Which was a really interesting statement to make. I mean, he's right. <laughs> that is exactly what an animal rights approach is. But it's in, it was very interesting that he included that in the, the final judgment. And that was really something that Lyle Cox has really hung on to, which um, I don't fully understand his reasoning why that is so important for him, because ultimately... Justice Churchman said that he's not making a decision on the lawfulness or legality of uh, of rodeo. And it's hard to say how that description that the judge has made will benefit the Rodeo Cowboys Association in the future. But it is, yeah, it's a really interesting point that the judge has made as a result of these proceedings. Perhaps the lawyer from the Rodeo Cowboys Association managed to make an impact on the judge. It is a really interesting point to make because, yeah, like you say, it, it is a correct statement, but I suppose the purpose of us going to court in this instance was to discuss the humaneness of those those events. And I suppose, yeah, it's, it's opened up an avenue for more conversation in this space, which I think is only a good thing. Um, I'm not sure what the specific purpose of including that was, but absolutely great to have that out in the public sphere, having people talking about this. I love it. I think we should absolutely do more of that. So let's see where we go next. I'm excited to see what happens and, and really keen to get involved with this NAWAC consultation mm. process as soon as it starts. Yes, it's... Uh and we've just been through one with the pigs code of welfare. And that was very much prompted by um, earlier court action by SAFE and the New Zealand Animal Law Association. And that situation we won. So the draft code of welfare was much more in our fav favour. It proposed a, a, a ban or a limit on the use of firing crates. So we've been able to communicate to our supporters, to you listening, to make a submission. Um, submissions have closed now, so um, we just have to wait and see what NAWAC came up, comes back with. But no doubt, eventually, NAWAC will fire up submissions on a rodeo code of welfare, and we'll be there to see what's in it and, and what our advice should be back to it and how you can help um, make a strong submission to, to that code of welfare. In terms of 
animals and entertainment and animal welfare more generally, there's been a, a bit happening with dogs lately, Courtney. There has. There's always something happening with dogs, as we all know. But today, unfortunately, it's not great news. We obviously monitor the greyhound racing industry as much as we can over here at SAFE and the July stats on injuries and death are in and I'm sorry to say they're they're pretty grim. So just in July there were 90 injuries to dogs, 10 of those with fractures and there was even a death and that's just in a month. So I mean we've got our petition um, to stop greyhound racing, we're obviously wanting to speak to Karen McNulty as much as we can about banning greyhound racing but in other dog related news we also have the government being lobbied to ban long life chaining and confinement of dogs. Did you know about this? I had no idea. I, I, it was a shock to me to learn that it's even legal to, to chain dogs for such long periods of time. Um, I, have, I don't know much about it, to be honest. Can you fill us in? So, at the moment, as I understand it, uh, the SPCA is lobbying the government and the, the main purpose of that lobby is to, like I say, ban long life chaining and confinement of dogs. And like you say, this could be a shock to a lot of people. It was a shock to me, I'll be honest, that there's firstly anything like long life chaining and confinement. So that's basically putting a dog on a chain or in a cage. And then secondly, that it's legal. There's no law banning that in the country. So basically, as long as you provide a dog with medical attention if it needs it, food, shelter and water, you can put it on a chain or you can keep it in a cage. And and that is perfectly legal. So I think this isn't the first time that this has come up. The government's been asked about this before. Last year, I believe about 30,000 people signed a petition asking the government to, to ban this. And then in 2014, there was also another petition, I think, that garnered tens of thousands of signatures. So even though it's clear that people are behind this issue, people want to see change, the government hasn't, as far as I'm aware, responded yet and, and hasn't made any changes there. So a spokesperson, and this this comes from the media, so take this with a grain of salt, but a spokesperson for the Ministry of Primary Industries, or MPI, said that it was aware of the issues, but are still exploring the most effective way to achieve the desired outcome and ensure the welfare of animals involved. So interesting position statement there. So the SPCA is asking for an amendment to the animal welfare regulations. What would happen there would be that owners who permanently tie up their dogs or leave them in a cage for for a really long time will be penalized. So I'm going to be watching this one closely as it progresses. Meanwhile, the other animals obviously continuing to suffer. It's not just dogs that we have tethered. There's goats. We obviously still have farrowing crates in place. We're hoping that that's going to be changing very, very soon. Live exports continuing. We've got cattle confined for weeks. All of that's still legal. There we go. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Animal Matters. Thank you to Courtney for joining me on the show. It's going to be great to have Courtney joining me every fortnight. The podcast is brought to you by SAFE for Animals. SAFE is Aotearoa's leading animal rights organisation. If you like what you hear, subscribe. You can stay across Animal Matters on whatever your favourite podcast platform is. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leave a rating as it helps other listeners to find the show. 
Thank you very much. Until next time, Marte Wow. Thanks, Will, and thanks, everybody, for listening. 